Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. I'm lost. All right. Yeah, we are. And this is the Bleachers, and this is where we do get lost. This is Bleacher Blums. My name is Jeff Blum. Co-host across the way is David Tuttle, and I have spent 14 years playing Major League Baseball amongst four and a half. Before that, playing Minor League Baseball, and now I am now the color commentator for the Houston Astros and various uh, social media banter-er, if that makes any sense. But I've also got my good buddy across the way, David Tuttle, who I talked about, played for Team USA, nine years in the minor leagues. All-American at uh, Santa Clara, and of course, just a great guy, and who's also accompanied me on some of our uh, adventures into social media, trying to to offer some other commentary other than the national broadcast. And I want to ask you something real quick, Todd. I'm going to put you on the spot because the first I've been doing this for nine years. Six, six of those nine years, the Astros have gone to the postseason, I believe, and I my first. I held my I held my comments because when it goes national, it gets different. And this season, I think I'm a little more perturbed than normal. I don't know why or who or what, but there's been several broadcasts where I've watched and I've just been like, "Nah, yeah, it's okay. It's not great." And I, I'm, before I go and, and say any more, how do you feel about you know? Because you you're a San Francisco fan. You you are blessed with you know uh, Kruko and Kuiper who are phenomenal uh, broadcasting the Giants games. But how how is what is your impression of the postseason broadcasting that we're we're watching uh, this day and age? Great question, Blummer. Uh, good afternoon, good evening uh, to everyone out there listening to the Bleacher Blums podcast, Blummer. Um, it's a great question. I'll tell you a couple of things. Yes, I'm spoiled. So I get to listen to you and TK. Um, the crew Cohen Kuiper are oh. fantastic. John Miller is out here still. I mean, I think every guy Ooh. that goes in the booth, uh, we lost, uh, you know, Fossey this, uh, this last week. And Fossey was a, a mainstay with the A's, which I got to listen to that was terrible news. Um, quite a bit. And so I think when you think about the I don't think every local broadcast, that's the caveat here. I don't think every local broadcast, I mean, I used to listen to the White Sox and I wanted to shoot myself. Sorry. I know you're White Sox, but you know, as homers as no, they but were. I get Hawk. that. Be, being on the outside, you can, you can say that inside the Chicago yeah. market. Awesome. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. All right. Like, well, there you the go. Freak is going on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but to your point, I think, and this is the broader picture. I mean, if you, every time I talk to you, you see the Astros every day, you do 162 games, you know, plus or minus a few here or there all every year. You've been doing it nine years, as you mentioned, do your homework. I mean, I'll call you and be like, Hey, what are you doing? You're like, well, I'm doing my game prep. I'm Dude, doing my lineup card. I'm you getting nailed it organized. right out of the shoot. All right. I mean, oh just, my gosh. right. But that's yeah. the difference, right? So this isn't just about inside knowledge. This isn't about, you know, um, and I actually think I'll give, I'll give darling credit last night. They were talking about late night Lamont Wade and, you know, and then he hit that ball foul and we're going to get into that game a little bit, but I mean, at least they were aware of how the year went. I believe they didn't articulate it as well on the broadcast, but I think they touched on it, you know, as he came up and things like that. But the the insight that you guys have along with the research is what makes the broadcast, um, I think, insightful. If you're just going to commentate on what you see on the screen, then anybody could do it. I mean, look, we've started this podcast. David Tuttle has no uh, prior experience behind a microphone, except that he likes to hear his own voice. You know, I mean, it's, it's really 
that, I mean, that's where you get some depth, right? You get some depth to your broadcast if you're doing your homework and creating some insight and some stories that storylines that may um, have escaped the national attention. Um, I mean, I think it's just old hat. Let's talk about the Astros trash can, you know, and who was on the team and who wasn't. And now they're going to talk about the Red Sox Astros and the iPad and the, you know, now Cora was part of that organization. I mean, I can tell you how that series is going to go before we even start the broadcast. So let's sweep that stuff aside. And what are you going to provide in the broadcast that's going to make me grab on to what's happening on the field, not just, you know, it's a doo-doo count in the bottom of the eighth. So, I mean, it's it, it's annoying. And I think you have a right to be perturbed. Yeah, and I tried to hold my my voice a little bit because I do respect and understand what they're trying to do on those national broadcasts. But I think Tuttle nailed it with his first comment. Do your homework. Uh, I know that when you get into some of these shows, and even ours is scripted a little bit, there's certain information and storylines that we want to get into these games. But at the same time, there's got to be some knowledge and some background on what these stories you're telling is. Because like Tuttle said, if you just fire up a graphic and go, well, this is what happened and this is what we're talking about, but you you don't get in depth and really try and peel back that onion and get to the backstory and understand how you got to this point. And I think that's where some of the, you know, some of the local net, not local networks, but local fan bases want, they understand how they got to that point, but they want to be reminded. They want to be encouraged. They want to be uh, led to that point. And I think when you get on that national basis, why wouldn't you want to let the nation in on some of those stories on why Carlos Correa is saying what he's saying instead of just going, oh, he's a cocky, arrogant, talented shortstop who's going to make a bazillion dollars next year. Why don't you tell the story that this guy was drafted, nurtured, wanted to be an Astro, is an Astro, leads in the clubhouse, leads on the field before you start just saying, oh, he said STFU, you know, to some guy who was popping off. I think there needs to be those backstories. And, you know, we also saw Adam Wainwright on that Astro series. I don't know if you caught any of that. I thought that he was great in the sense of strategic, like you were talking about, uh, explaining what pitch might be next or why he threw a certain pitch. I love that. But he caught himself and he's only going to get better. You know, he's a smart guy. He's going to get better. But when he started to ask questions like, what is, what's his strikeout rate or what's his, you know, how, what's his whiff? I was like, man, you, you can't ask those questions on air. There's too much information and availability online to be able to look that up before you ask the question. You know, I, <laughs> like I a fan yelling need, at his TV saying the whip is 1.25. Like you don't want to ask that well, on there. And like that's you said, what I'm afraid of, <laughs> but that's what I'm afraid of as a, as a guy sitting at home, I'm going, man, and granted I'm in a different position because I broadcast. But when I have those questions, I look them up and bring the answer to the table instead of going, Hey, did anybody, does anybody know why this guy's on the roster? You know? So it, it gets kind of <laughs> weird in that sense, but that's just Wainwright not knowing how to broadcast. I think. Well, well, pitching, he was pitching three days prior. He was pitching in a, in an elimination <laughs> right? game against yeah. the Dodgers. And I think, and I think you, you kind of hit on it as well. Like you said, in your initial thought, which is they have a catcher and a pitcher in the broadcast, which provided a lot mm -hmm. of depth about the insight, about the strategy, about things that were happening during the game. But as you become a broadcaster, then you know what you have to write down and the notes you have to take. And that goes back to the overarching point of like, give me something. If I'm, just a casual fan in the Red Sox Astros series start. I do not want to hear any more about 2017, 2018. Don't necessarily want to hear about who was on the roster and all that stuff. I want to hear about what this year, last year, the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs. They finished in last place. They just beat the Rays, who were the favorites. You know, the Giants, Dodgers, two best teams in baseball went five games. Like, 
I mean, you know, late night Lamont, you know, who was kind of thrown on the scrap heap for the twins and Farheed Zaidi, you know, trades for him. I mean, and those, these are the stories that you want to That's a great story that needs hear. to be told, yeah. That's right. And and so do some research and figure out why they traded. Maybe call Farhan or send him an email saying, what did you see mm-hmm. in this kid? Or what does your scouting report say? Or or just provide some depth to the to the, to the the commentary. And I think, um, you know, the, the idea is that when you move up to these national broadcasts, like I always think John Smoltz is pretty darn good. I don't know about his homework, but you're getting paid more money. You're providing more insight. You're talking to more fans, right? You're not just a Houston Astros, you know, kind of lackey. Mm-hmm. You're there providing, you know, a, 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 to a lot more um, people and a bigger audience information. So make it worth their while. That, and I think that was your original point. And you should be perturbed as a professional that's been doing this for nine <laughs> years because, you know, an ex-ball player is one thing, but an actual broadcaster with a resume or a CV that says, this is what I've done, this is what I've accomplished, and you're going to keep getting better. Isn't that the whole baseball thing? Grind it out, believe it, keep get after it. Like, you yep. just keep trying to get better. Those, those, absolutely. And there's one more thing I'm going to add to this thing, and it's and it's it's probably the simplest part about it. If you're doing an, I'm trying to think about how to phrase this because <laughs> if I'm Major League Baseball and I am watching this broadcast, I've got two questions: Am I entertained? And is there an enthusiasm for the game? And I, there are there are a couple of these series that I've been watching where I am just not I'm not enthusiastic about the game. I want somebody, if you're going to do a national game and you're going to represent a product that I absolutely adore, much like you do, Tuttle, we love the game of baseball. We know it's long. We know it's arduous. But we also know that there's strategy and some things involved in this. Get excited about those moments. Get excited about the game. I have listened to some of these games and I'm just going, damn, I'm gonna, I, I got to change the channel or go watch a football game or watch some golf because there is just not that that outward exuberance of like how great this game is. And that's where I think baseball's kind of missed the boat a little bit is lacking the enthusiasm on the show. Yeah, I think what's what's happening, a couple of things. One is I've been accused of maybe having a lack of enthusiasm or, uh, on this podcast because I'm such an even keel, like, you know, mellow guy. <laughs> so I'm chill, joking. Bro. I'm so chill. and But you do see this, which is like radio versus TV, and you could probably um, shed some light on this. A lot of people are afraid especially in the clubhouse when it was, you know, you don't want to speak up too early and, you know, until you have your facts in order and, you know, you don't want to offend the, the upset, the apple cart, I guess. But the, the visual medium TV versus radio is you want to let the, the, the moment speak for itself very often. Right. So there's that, I don't want to say too much. I want to say too little, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's what we've seen in most things. It's been corrected the other way. It's been corrected the other way. Like last night's game, 1-1, top of the ninth. You know, Duvall, I don't care about Duvall. The kid's like 20 or 21. He threw way too many sliders. But, I mean, throw your fastball. You throw 100. But he looked like he was playing a rec game in the park. Like, we we should have talked. I mean, he did not look nervous at all. And I was like, that is awesome. Didn't. But, yep. but you can but you can you can create, like you said, some enthusiasm and some excitement around that. I mean, the fans are on their feet and it's the top of the ninth inning and there's a lot of energy. And so I think maybe in, you know, broadcaster school or, you know, color commentary school or what you're learning in the studio is, all right, let the, don't say too much, like let the moment speak for itself. But I think it's been corrected 
too much the other way, which is your point. Show some enthusiasm. This is the Major League Baseball product that you're talking about. You don't have to be a homer. You don't have to cheer for the Dodgers or the Astros or the Giants or anybody else. But let's talk about the moment here. Let's talk about the be moment a, a little fan bit. of the game. That's right. You don't and have to, set like it up. just said, you don't have to be a fan of either team, yeah. but be a fan of the yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I do not like the Dodgers. We've talked about that. But man, we, you. We. Yeah. Yeah, we don't like the Dodgers, thank you. But <laughs> but you know, give Bellinger credit and they did they didn't do a good job, but the statistics wise, they're like he, I think he was 17 for 86 with runners in scoring position this year. It's like dude and and they did say this on the broadcast, but they, again, say it with enthusiasm. If he gets a hit right here, all will be forgotten. 17 for 86 goes away. Guess what? Got a hit. And it all went away. You know, you're on the team. You're, you know, former rookie of the year. Like, anyway, so I, I'm getting a little specific now, but I just think you're absolutely correct. Major League Baseball is the product, it's not the team. Do your homework and be enthusiastic about it. Like, don't be so minimal or minimalist with your words that we're just kind of losing the excitement and the energy that's there that we can, you know, it's palpable. Oh man, is it ever. And <clears throat> last night was one of those games, the Dodgers and Giants. Uh, I have a secret to reveal when we get done talking about this at the end of it, but Tuttle, you are a Giants fan. A lot of people were watching that game five. It's set up beautifully to have uh, uh, you know all of the nation's eyes on that game, watching both teams in the National League West that finished a game apart. But as that game started, they were 109-109 as far as wins are concerned. It was unbelievable to me to see how everything matched up. The game is tied for five innings. They each score a run in the what bottom and top of the top and bottom of the sixth. All of a sudden, we're tied for three more innings until we do get into that top of the ninth situation, where the Dodgers eventually take the lead on that Cody Bellinger base hit that you're talking about that pretty much wiped away his entire season because it propelled them into the next uh, next uh, level of National League uh, Championship Series. But I've got. I want you to break it down a little bit because I have a couple of questions. There's there's a couple of spotlights that I, I want to uh, to put on, and most notably, one of them is going to be Logan Webb. But I, the question I have for you right now, as you're listening to this podcast on Monday morning, Tuttle, did he go? Did Flores oh, no. swing? No, no, he didn't go. But and I'm <laughs> I'm saying that unbiased. I mean, I don't. I think. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Rollins. Is it Jimmy Rollins? Why am I thinking of, yeah, I was thinking of Henry Rollins from the, the punk band, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's say, wrong man, with that's me? That's a way so different. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Rollins said it. He said everybody in the world thought that was a check swing. He didn't go except for <laughs> the umpire. So, and, and I don't, but I don't think I'm also the kind of person that doesn't think that's the game. I don't think that's, I never that's think the that's point. the game. Right, that's the bigger point. I mean, it would have been nice to see it play out. I mean, gosh, Lamont Lamont Wade hit that hook. At, oh yeah. my gosh! I mean, you know, it's so great to bring in your best pitcher, your ace. But sometimes the ace doesn't have it after two days rest. It was like that got tenuous. Yeah, you want Scherzer on the mound, yeah, but anyway. So I I don't think he went at all. I mean, I think we could. I think most people could agree. I think the Dodgers would agree. But I'll say two things. One is. The people that listen to this podcast and know me, I'm even Keel Tuttle, man. I mean, I could be Belichick this morning, which is and when I get my first GM job or my assistant general manager job. If you did that 109-109, the Giants were projected to win 75 games, and you're setting up your team, and there is no guarantee they're going to come back and all that stuff. 
the Dodgers on paper and payroll are the better team in the sense mm-hmm. that they and, and 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 they have the experience. And I think you can attest to this. If you're sitting in a Big room time. somewhere and you're just moving stuff around, whether you love the Giants like I do or, you know, hate the Dodgers so much like you do and, you know, love the Astros, that game was everything you wanted it to be. Um, and I say that as even keel with ice water in my veins as I can. I'm disappointed that the Giants lost as a fan. But I mean, like you said, one one in the ninth inning. And I, you know, I was a little up in arms that they called that check swing. But again, that's like, you know, every year at the end of the or every week at the end of a football game, they're like, you know, clock management and time management and all this stuff. But it's like, hey, in the first quarter, if you had made that play, or in the second quarter, if you had done something, um, mm-hmm. you know. And there were there were calls all year long with the Giants and the Dodgers. They were evenly matched, but there was that tag play that got and you know they got overturned in one game, and the Giants won. And there was another check swing in one of their series uh, that went the oh, yeah. Giants' way. So again, even Keel Tuttle here to to just tell you that <laughs> I, I know Flores didn't go, but I also don't think that that was the you know yeah. that that's the reason that the you know that the Giants aren't moving on. And then I'll say one last thing. I know you have some other questions. Is we got to tip our cap because if you start going back to listen, I mean, we're, we're heading towards 200 um, episodes of this podcast, 150. Kenley Jansen deserves um, mm-hmm. a lot of credit for cha- for developing a new pitch and changing his strategy. He was a Hall of Fame closer with basically two pitches, and now he's added a couple pitches to his repertoire, and now he's a closer again. I mean, I think we I wrote him off last year. I said the, Gi- the Dodgers would not go to the World Series with him as a closer. But he has definitely changed his uh, he's changed his tune and I think changed his trajectory to kind of make it, you know, the I guess make it a reality that he's going to be around for, you know, maybe a couple more years closing games. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I agree. No, Kenley Jansen needed to make adjustments. I know he's got that funky hip move trying to remind him to keep that front side closed or whatever that situation is. And he's also developed that curveball, I think is what Tuttle's talking about as far as being able to keep guys off that cut fastball. He struck out Buster Posey on a two-seamer, you know, that goes the, the complete opposite direction of that cutter. So he has made the adjustments. But there's a guy that I hope doesn't get forgotten in this series. I think he's really kind of thrust himself into that superstar leadership ace of a staff type stuff dude logan webb is legit i texted you yesterday and i said you know what if he does what he did in game one this guy is you know he's going to build the foundation like madison bumgarner uh, for a hall of fame career not just and you know it's a long way from that and you know we just want to see if he's not a flash in the pan but from everything you hear he grew up in northern california i think rockland and everything you hear about this guy is that he was a great high school athlete. He wants to be in the Bay Area. And boy, the lights were not too bright for that guy. And he is just Mm-mm. unbelievable. And it's funny because if you start getting into the statistics, which, you know, Bleacher Blooms loves getting into way into the weeds on <laughs> analytics. Um Take Logan Webb off the mound and look at how that series plays out, right? I mean, oh, man. it would have been a... You know that Dodgers sweep that thing in three games. So when Logan Ma- <laughs> when Logan Webb's not on the mound, they're in trouble. But you know, I mean, De Sclafani's going to grow and learn. I think he gave up ten earned runs against the Dodgers this year in one game, which kind of skews the skews his numbers. And he's growing and learning. And you know, Gosman and a couple other guys. I mean, will be around. But uh, I don't know. They they did comment about how old the Giants are relative to the rest of the. You know, they had Posey and Belt and those guys and Crawford, but. I don't know. I think the the role players are certainly young enough and, you know, 
hopefully we can make another run. But uh, Logan Webb, yeah, I mean, fantastic stuff. Four pitches, not afraid. Um, you know, just amazing. And I, I think the Dodgers would say the same thing as you know, maybe the Astros are just as a fan yeah. of Major League Baseball as you said. You know, yeah, but great to see what they're witnessing. Major League Baseball got what they wanted, which was the Dodgers moving on. I, I you know, I, I, it pains me to say that, but I know that Major League Baseball wanted the Dodgers to move on. And they are, but at the same time, the Astros are playing a tough series against the Chicago White Sox. And I've got a question for you, Tuttle. In this day and age, with everything that you've seen, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, uh, you know, even there's trash talking in in golf now between Brooks Kepka and uh, DeChambeau, do you still believe that, and especially let's focus a little more on baseball, do you believe that there can be bulletin board material in the game of baseball? Quotes from the other team. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. So, yes, of course, because of the type of people that we are, baseball players, speaking of, mm -hmm. in that ego. You know, you. I said this before, and now I say it more in the corporate world, but, you know, nobody can be as hard on me as I am on myself, meaning I want to be successful. So I don't need you to motivate me or tell me this or tell me that. But what I've said all along is, like the Astros um, celebration when winning, you know, this year is got to be a little sweeter, you know, it, it's got to be a little more because they really believed in themselves and they know what kind of baseball players they are. So, I mean, you can say that that incident has gone away, you know, they got rid of AJ Hinch, they got rid of the GM and they're in this position, but it's still the same core group of guys. And I mean, the juice is much sweeter, you know, what are the, the sweet taste of revenge? I mean, it's kind of like, hey, they get mm -hmm. booed everywhere. People think they were cheaters. Um, you know, they have all the stuff they're carrying around. So absolutely. I mean, whatever you need to motivate you. So you are you don't even have to, you know, the NFL seems to talk about it more like, oh, yeah, the coach took it and, he, yeah. you know, made a T-shirt out of it and he, like, put it on the bulletin board. In baseball – you would, the answer to the question is, no, we don't really pay attention to them. We got to do our own thing. But when you see that quote in the paper, you're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll show them. And I, and I think for sure that's that should always be something that, you know, when you play pickup basketball, Blum, it's like, all right, you know, <laughs> right? Like you're, you're like, I mean, you know, you might take it easy here and there. And then when the, when the adrenaline starts going and something happens and somebody talks smack, you know, you're like, all right, I'm going to show this guy. Yeah, so the situation was game three of the ALDS, Chicago White Sox versus the Houston Astros. Uh, Houstonian, nonetheless, Ryan Tapera took it upon himself in post-game comments to say that the Astros are still doing sketchy stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they've obviously had a reputation of, you know, doing some sketchy stuff over there. And, you know, it's just... Uh, we can say that it's a, a little bit of a difference, you know. I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to, uh, you know, the first two games of Minimate. But and dumb, idiot, what are you doing? I don't understand this logic. I don't understand this mentality. 
the the Chicago White Sox just scored, I think, twelve runs in Game Three to you know get the series back, get a little bit of the momentum back. His bullpen pitched their absolute ass off the entire game, and this guy decides to go out there and make it about him, making him the center of the story by saying an idiotic thing with absolutely no proof behind it. Now, if he would have stood up and had a video or John Boyd it and said, this is what's going on, listen to this, look at that, then I would have been like, okay, he's got something. But he decided to pop off and say that the Astros are still doing sketchy stuff. Now, number one, the reason you're an idiot is because the Chicago White Sox were a way better team at home as opposed to on the road where they were a sub-500 team. So guess what? Take a look in your own backyard. Uh, Number two, the Astros were the most even team as far as numbers were concerned, both record-wise and statistically at home and on the road. So that is gone. Still, you know, reveling in 2017 blows my mind. But the fact that he took it upon himself to make it about him and take it off what they did in game three, I think not only gave the Astros some bulletin board material and like Tuttle is saying, the Astros already have a chip on their shoulder because they're still, they want to prove to everybody that they are a legit good ball club. And the nucleus that that, uh, Tuttle is talking about is still there. And yes, they played in 2017, but they still are playing to prove everybody wrong. And guess what? You just gave them another weapon to go out there and put uh, on their shoulder to go out there and try and beat you. And yes, they went out there and beat the hell out of you in game four to put you away. I just don't get it. Why would you bring that up? And the, the part that made me saltiest is that it's you know it's just a lazy comment to say oh they're still cheating. I think that's really lazy. The fact that he took away from a great team victory in a ballpark that was just absolutely exploding with that it felt it looked like from a distance it looked like the Raider Nation dressed in black, angry, whipping those towels around, backing their team and all of a sudden this guy stands up and goes, "Well, they're still doing sketchy stuff." And guess what? It took the life out of that place, man. That's a great point, Plummer. I, you know, watching the highlights on TV, the way they showed it, I mean, it looked like a football game, like with terrible towels, those black towels. It was awesome. like, you're right. It was like Raider Nation. And, <laughs> and to your point, I think I always say this, and I don't know if it's that true, but, you know, Vegas stole their, their mantra and their saying from, you know, from professional clubhouses, in my opinion, which is what happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. And we have stories oh, and did. stories about how stuff crept out. But I just don't get, like you said, not just diminishing the win or taking away, but you know, maybe that's something they say in the clubhouse for motivation, or maybe it's something that they're like, you know, these guys still have some tricks up their sleeve or whatever. But to your point, why would you bring it up in a situation where you don't have proof for one? For two, you just pitched against them and pitched really well. Real well. So, you know, next yeah. So unless you're gonna do the mic fires and just not pitch when they come to town, which would have been great. Like, you know, Tony Larusa calls down to the bullpen. I want the lefty up and Tapera is like no, I'm I'm out, coach. You know, I made my comments yesterday, and I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ride off into the sunset. That's fine. But when you know you got to face them again and again and again and again, you know, just like you said, just keep your mouth shut, keep your beliefs to yourself. Um, you know, and and just and just you know move along. Nothing to see here. So obviously, I think he got himself mm-hmm. in some hot water, and of course, that was bulletin board material. I mean. If you think that he came in the game and the Astros went, oh, it's, oh, who's this guy? Lefty? Let me see him on that. They were like, oh, this guy. Like, they know. You know. (laughs) Come on. No, it it, it was very interesting. And, you know, us as parents, 
There's always <laughs> teaching moments. And I think that was a little bit of a teaching moment that taught itself to uh, Ryan Tapera. And hopefully he makes the adjustment moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the, so you've got, the, so over the weekend, the Astros are going to play or have played the Boston Red Sox in a couple of games. It's going to be the LA Dodgers versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, do you want to go into prediction mode? Because if you do go back and listen to previous podcasts, Blummer was right. Astros yeah. in four. Uh, and I, I had the Giants in that LA Dodgers series. But uh, to be honest, I wasn't paying much attention to the Rays. Red Sox, now I have, now obviously I have to pay attention to the Red Sox. And uh, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, beat the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I think if you go back and actually listen to it, I had the Milwaukee Brewers being one of those dangerous teams until Devin Williams punched a wall and broke his hand. But uh, you've got the Dodgers Atlanta right now and the Red Sox uh, Astros. So prediction mode's fine. I want to I want to kind of, I think we've talked about this possibly before, but let's peel back the onion a little bit on when you say Major League Baseball wanted the Dodgers to win. I mean, I, mean, I think mm -hmm. ideally, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, so Dodgers Red Sox would be the, you know, the series that we would, I guess, from a rankings and an advertising and a you know national coverage standpoint would want. And I understand that from advertising dollars. But when people always say that, it doesn't really, I don't know. I mean, you know a little bit about the business behind the scenes. I mean, obviously the Rays weren't the team that they everybody wanted and lauded last they're year. But they're, yeah, but they're a really good team. And like you Great said, the team. Astros, an Astros uh, Braves uh let's see no yeah astros braves world series is probably you know one that <laughs> they wouldn't want so i don't i still kind of i just want to ask you i don't understand why major league baseball has some skin in the game is it just simply advertising dollars and i'm and i'm just trying to go too deep on it or i mean i i, I guess i just hate the dodgers and i wonder like it would be the same if the giants were in it so i'm a little confused as mm -hmm. they want the red sox dodgers because of the history and the lore and the advertising dollars is that Plain and simple. It's it's yeah. It, well, it, I wish it were that simple. It's advertising, and then you've got bi coastal. So you've got two coasts. So you've got East Coast versus Left Coast. You've got uh, you know two incredible fan bases, and I think that's what it is more or less. Because it, now sitting on the media side and understanding that the Houston Astros are the fourth biggest. You know, the Houston market is the fourth biggest media market in all of whatever. You know, now understanding that kind of language, so you would have the two biggest markets other than New York and Chicago in the mix for the World Series. And that's where you kind of get the idea of Major League Baseball understands we've got the biggest market on the West Coast. We've got the one of the biggest markets on the East Coast. And that's where you kind of get that idea of that's why Major League Baseball wants it. And a little a little something that else that's maybe under the sheets that nobody talks about is that when you do have those two markets put together, uh, there there's you talk about playoff shares. The playoff share is going to go up. So players enjoy the fact that you're playing against some of these major markets, whether it be Houston, L.A., Houston, Chicago, Houston, Boston, Houston, New York. You know, th those are the big markets they want to have in there because the more advertising money, the more ticket sales that you have and the bigger the stadiums also comes into play, too, because you're selling more tickets all goes into a pool. And then those shares are distributed between those two teams. And obviously, the, the more games you play in a series, uh, the more money you're going to get as yeah. far as the players are concerned and Major League Baseball because you've got two or three extra games that are being televised nationwide with the ability to charge uh, advertisers a lot more money on a more consistent yeah. basis. 
Well, and pay for Blum's College. There you go. I mean, do you want it to go? Yes, please. Yes, please. Do you want it to go uh, five games? No, no, no. Let's, uh, let's lose tonight and then play tomorrow and then win it all so that we can stretch out the cash. No, I know it's a gate. You know, they divide the gate and, you know, yeah. the actual dollars in there. I, it made me think of something else, though, that's really funny. With uh, I, I, Let me do pre-production on the World Series. If it's Red Sox, Dodgers, sorry, Astros fans. Um, we're going to show the Carlton Fisk home run off the foul pole where he's waving <laughs> the ball back in. And we're going to show the Kirk Gibson home run. Ready? That's pre-production. So there we go. Let's get that reeled up and taped. I mean, we're, how many? I mean, come on. So yes, there's some advertising yeah. dollars there, but let's. I can already do pre-production on that. Now, you, this goes back to your original broadcasting question too. Like why do the national broadcast like – if it's Red Sox Dodgers, I feel like they'll do less homework. It'll just be an easy series for them to do. They won't yeah. get under the hood at all. So, you know, a little disappointing. But uh, but now, you know, the Tuttle household's rooting for the Astros, and uh, that's a good thing. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the Atlanta Dodgers series, I think it's amazing that the Atlanta's gotten as far as they've gotten without Ronald Acuna Jr., who is one of the more electric players in baseball. But I also think it's very interesting that Jock Peterson is one of the guys that replaced Ronald Acuna, and he's an ex-Dodger. So there's that dynamic going between them. Ooh, I'm gonna root for the Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to root for the Atlanta Braves just because I don't want to see the Dodgers in the, in the World Series. But I think the all-irony series is between the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros. It's amazing to me how the baseball gods sit above the game and say, hmm, wouldn't it be interesting if ex-Astro bench coach Alex Cora led his team to the American League Championship Series and faced his former team, the Houston Astros, who were both embroiled in, in scandalous sign-stealing scandals for lack of a better word to re be redundant scandalous and, and, science healing and, and scandals. back to back like in back to back years say that three times fast oh dear god you're gonna have to hit replay uh so the astros in 2017 were popped for sign stealing scandal alex cora was in the midst of it moved to the boston red sox was amidst a sign stealing scandal where the video guy took the brunt of it and was eventually fired Cora was fired. A.J. Hinch was fired. A.J. Hinch was let go. Alex Cora took a year off, was re-signed by the Boston Red Sox. And now they're both in the 2021 ALCS. Who, who I got a question. I have a legit, who boos who? Do you boo anybody or just, you know, I mean, or are we just going to play baseball? I, I really hope it's just you play baseball. But you and I, knowing the national media, they're going to go, oh, ooh, uh, you know, I don't know what yeah. they're going to do. But it's just funny to me that this is the matchup. Yeah, I think, um, you know, fan, Robert, we've said this before as well. Fan is short for fanatic. So I have a feeling that Red Sox fans are going to be booing, you know, Altuve. Like he's the guy when their <laughs> manager's sitting right over there. And it's like, wait a second. Let's put, let's, let's do the math here, folks. Like we got to get this stuff squared ooh, away. So, but yeah, he, I don't get he, it. he, you're booing him because he helped him to boo. To, yeah. So I, let's, you were talking about the prediction thing. So I, I do think it is, it's the irony series, but, uh, you know, we got to root against the Dodgers. That's just where we go. But, you know, it'd be interesting to have the Astros um, Dodgers World Series. I mean, oh boy, that would gosh, be, I mean, that isn't that where? Be, wow. <laughs> that would be something wow. else. And, you know, Justin you, you Turner and I would can be do the busy, trash man. can we, thing. We'd be, uh, we'd be tweeting and we'd be uh, spacing. Oh, it'd be we'd crazy. Be yeah, yeah. It would be awesome. But I will tell you, and that's the problem when you actually get down to the statistics here, is if it ends up Astros Dodgers, 
I mean, the Dodgers bullpen, I, I hate to say it, but eesh, I mean, boy, Blake Trinan, like this is the old, uh, like John Wetland and Mario Rivera. Wicked. Like try, it's like you're so sick and tired of seeing Trinan that you don't even try when Jansen comes in the game. It's like that guy, 99 mile an hour sinker. I don't know. Well, I I'd mean, rather I'd rather face Jansen right now than that Trinan. Good. No, Lord. that's my point. That's my point. Yeah. It's almost like Jan- they're doing Jansen a favor because it's like because you're so sick and tired of seeing Trinan in the seventh and the eighth. You're like, all right, you know, and you're just kind of worn out that you're you're expecting more from Jansen, <laughs> and he gets you. He's, yeah. He lulled you to sleep, but like, that's where ninety four. Yeah, that's where the yeah, that's right. Ninety four. That's nothing. He throws a curveball now. I didn't know that. Oh, I guess you know. I'll go back to the dugout like a two seamer. Anyway, but Trinan's basically like Duvall is going to be like that. Basically, here's a hundred, and it has movement, yeah. and then a breaking ball. I did think. Oh, before we jump away. I wanted to circle back because as a hitter, you're always asking me great questions on this podcast. I ended up talking your ear off. What Duval throws a hundred and he has a good breaking ball. All those guys were lefties and you know, he went with Lux. He went curve slider, 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 slider. He did throw him a fastball where he gave up a hit, but it was a ground ball with Bellinger. He didn't even throw him a fastball. He went slider, 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 slider. I mean, I had an experience in AAA one time and they knew this guy could not hit a hard sinker. And he was a guy that ended up going to the big leagues with the Cubs. I wish I could remember his name. And I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. And I remember getting yelled at by my pitching coach, but it was like a 10 or 12 pitch at bat. And I never threw him anything but a hard sinker. And he was getting further off the plate and, you know, he fouled a couple off. And I'm just like, I'm going to just, I'm just going to throw it in off the plate. I'm just going to keep going hard sinker. He can back up a little bit, hard sinker, hard sinker. And he finally hit one. Uh, into the gap in left center and drove in a run. It was like the third inning. I think it went six innings. But And the pitching coach was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, You can't <laughs> throw a guy 13 pitches in a row. It's the same pitch. And I'm like, yeah, but he can't hit it. Like, I'm just going to keep changing. And he's like, that just doesn't work with these guys. And I was like, mm-hmm. anyway, my stubborn ass, like, you know, why throw him a, cur- a slider that he might hit out? You know, his, I would speed up his bat or whatever. So I just remember having that experience. And I'm not second-guessing Duvall. I'm not there. Maybe he could have located better. I mean, they talked about that ball is right down the middle. But as a hitter, what are you thinking when Duvall comes in? I mean, those two pitches are wicked. They're plus-plus pitches, both of them. Wouldn't you suggest that he mixes them up a little, even just to change eye level? Or, I mean, is that just two second-guess yeah. armchair quarterback? No, I, I'm not a fan of throwing the same pitch three times in a row. Now, if a guy is struggling with it and you've blown him up a couple of times, you know, and, and that's another thing like you're talking about. If you threw three pitches at the same same velocity, same break, same location, I believe a big league hitter can get to it. Now, if you throw, like you're talking about, if you keep throwing sinkers on that down and away corner and he just, he's more or less fighting it off, not hitting it, then I might consistently go there if I'm able to locate. But I think you need to change eye level like you're talking about, maybe rush one up in the zone and just kind of get his head tilting or move his feet a little bit or back him off the plate before you go back into that situation. Um, We saw Lance McCullers in 2017 against the New York Yankees throw 24 curveballs in a row, but not one of them were was the same velocity, same break, same location. And that's how he kind of got away with it was being able to move it on both sides of the plate and move it in the zone, down out of the zone to set these guys up. And I think once you get into that, into that, uh, that mode of throwing that curveball or that fastball so many times in a row as a hitter, I'm going at some point, this guy's got to get away from the fastball. So it leaves me guessing a little bit in that sense. But to your point about Duvall is 
you can you can you can get ahead with your your slider or your curveball or whatever that pitch he has is that's filthy as hell, and then just show the fastball to set up another breaking ball to get down and in. But you've got to be so good with location because I really feel that you know hitters hit mistakes, hitters don't hit nasty, and you know I don't go into the cage before the game and say hey, uh, you know tell my hitting coach I want you to give me flips on the down and away corner. And I want you to change speeds with every flip. <laughs> I'm like, dude, throw it down the middle. Give me something I can feel good on and get my swing ready to go because I may be looking in a certain quadrant, but I'm not looking nasty. I'm looking for the mistake. And if you make the mistake, I've got to be ready to hit it. And that's what Bellinger did. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. So yeah, I mean, that's, I think we're not second guessing. I also felt like Lux had a mistake because what I was thinking along with the game is like, all right, he threw a couple nasty pitches to Bellinger. I think the count was, what is it, 1-1 or 1-2 or 2-2 at the mm -hmm. time. But he hadn't thrown him a fastball. If he had just at 1-2 thrown him that elevated fastball, just that little, like you said, just to get him to stand up and just to get him to change the eye level. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, that fastball to Lux was kind of middle up you know, middle up away, which as a left-handed hitter for a guy throwing a hundred, he's not backing you oh. off or standing you up. I mean, all he did was stick the bat out and, you know, let the velocity do the work. It. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that to your point, that was not a nasty fastball or an eye level changing fastball. Mm -hmm. That was, I've thrown him three breaking balls. I got to throw him a fastball to show him something. Well, guess what? In the big leagues, you can't just throw a show fastball like middle away and expect the guy to not take a good swing. And, you know, I mean, that's how nasty his stuff is. He didn't rake it, but he hit a ground ball with eyes. And, uh, you know, that's a great point, Plummer. And I've got a little tidbit, a little parting shot in that Boston Red Sox a, uh, and a Houston Astros uh, series because there's questions around Lance McCullers. But for right now, we're going to go to our sponsor. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we're back. And thank you to our sponsors for helping us out, get through this podcast and rake in the dough. But I've got one more thing to talk about with the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros. There's a lot of uh, worry about Lance McCullers Jr. who came out of his last start game four uh, against the White Sox with that right forearm stiffness, some issues. He's had the MRI. We haven't gotten the results. I still think they're waiting to see how to move forward with or without Lance McCullers. And there are some options. You know, Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Jake Odorizzi. I don't think Zach Greinke's stretched out. But just, but just to finish off all of this ALCS, NLCS talk, 
for all my Astro fans out there. The Astros won the season series against the Boston Red Sox going 5-2. and two. And guess who did not pitch one inning or one pitch in that series? Ooh, I have a guess. Lance McCullers Jr. So Lance McCullers did not pitch in that season series against the Boston Red Sox. So the Astros are still in very good shape because of their offense and good enough pitching. I think it's moving forward. But of course, if Lance is healthy, you damn well better believe that you need him on the bump because that dude has been lights out in the postseason. And that's pretty much all I got for the ALCS, NLCS. If you've got anything to finish this off with, uh, Tuttle. I do not. No, that's great. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously best wishes to Lance and his arm. But uh, yes. coming out of a start late in the year is not a good thing. So uh, hopefully, do the, do you know when they're going to have um, the results or kind of the feedback? Well, I would imagine, to, so today today is Friday. We are recording this. You'll be listening to this on Monday, and we'll, we'll know a lot of the results by then. But I think they have to make the roster before uh, the game, obviously. So I think a lot of it depends on what happens later this afternoon and when they do let that roster out, if Lance McCullers is on it. If Lance McCullers is on it, maybe you look to him to be either that game three, game four starter in Boston. That's a good point. That that roster, when they release the roster, we'll know exactly what they think about you know his chances of pitching. I'm not done with baseball. I know you got a Weddle Tuttle because you're always really good at it and you want to stick around for Weddle Tuttle say, but dude, the, so the, the St. Louis Cardinals, this actually just broke like the other day, yesterday. Um, they fired Mike Schilt. He led the St. Louis Cardinals to that wild card game, winning 17 in a row. They lost to the Los Angeles Dodgers in that wild card game, and he gone. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. A lot of the stuff that I've read have said that, uh, what is, I love this one, philosophical differences. And there's actually a quote from somebody within the organization that was interviewed for this article that said, WTF? I mean, this was a shocking, blindsided type move by the St. Louis Cardinals to fire a winning manager who's been in their organization, I think, most of his career. Yeah, so my thought initially was that um, John Gruden sent him an email and he responded. That was my initial thought. So they were doing all the stuff and then they found that John Gruden and part of that 650,000 email sent him an email. So... That's the only thing I can think of that would fire uh, Mike Schilt in a situation where he just had a 17-game winning streak and led them to the playoffs when they were kind of middle of the pack halfway through the year. And and I also think, to your, I mean, shock and awe, the, the players like him. I mean, he's been in the Cardinals organization. Yeah. Um, they kind of changed tact when they got rid of, um, is it Matheny that he replaced? Or yeah, was Mike it, Matheny. Um, yep, you're right. Yeah, because, you know, I just think he was – a guy's manager. I mean, it's a player's manager. And I think that they were just much more comfortable. You and I joked about the Cardinals and the A's when, you know, the kind of organization they run. And sometimes it's like, Hey, I want to be with those guys. They got the sleeveless shirts mm -hmm. and they don't seem to have a lot of discipline prior to the game. And, you know, those kind of, it was kind of the cool kids over there. And Mike Schultz seems to be a big part of that. So, like I said, the only thing I could think of was something with, you know, the news that came out this week about John Gruden and <laughs> resigning and 650,000 emails is that Mike Schilt must have been on a list somewhere or gotten an email uh, with some naked cheerleaders from uh, one of those guys oh and uh, and they let him go. So, I just I just have no idea. And I actually was going to come to you and say, come on, Blummer, provide some insight here. You've been in the clubhouse. Yeah, you can know some guys like... I mean, I, I may reach out to uh, Goldschmidt or Arenado and see what's going on, but I'm not sure that they'll even have an answer. But, you know, to, it, it, you know, Schilt is And they probably won't tell you. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they would. It would. It would have to delete. You know, my phone would probably be like yes, this off the record will explode in ten seconds. Um, but uh, you know, back to Gruden. What, dude? If you're sending an inner office memo, be smart. How hard is it? I don't know what, the, dude. That was a wow. I, I yeah. was shocked because I I wouldn't say I was a John Gruden fan, but I appreciated what he did on the broadcast for Monday Night Football, yeah. and he seemed like a good enough coach to motivate these guys. And what's been even crazier to me is some of the uh, some of the players that come out and speak about John Gruden. Oh, he's not a racist. Oh, he might be. Oh, he did this. Oh, he did that. I mean, there's so many mixed messages. But if I'm going to send a memo or an email to somebody within an organization in the sport that I'm playing or coaching damn near i'm not going to pop off or open an email from somebody who's got naked picture what the hell's going on how hard is it that's what she said that's the thing is that you know sense of humor is personal uh opinions are personal things like that you know and we have these you know the what happens in the clubhouse have a good time without taking digs at somebody's oh my gosh no, I no, I agree with you. But in, even if you're not going to be above board, then you just have to be um, discreet about it. So I'm not, I'm not even advocating that. I'm like, but you are a national figure. You know, you're getting mm-hmm. paid a lot of money to be on a national broadcast. And yes, maybe you trust people, but there are just certain things, you know, that you don't want to put on tape, I guess, or put on record. Uh, I, hey, I, I maybe nothing Mark goes away. That's right, <laughs> Mark uh, Ramos, our producer, could probably put this. Um, uh, we were talking about Twitter before you were saying Lance McCullers Jr. was trending on Twitter, but there was a response from uh, Brandon Staley, um, uh, Coach Brandon Staley of the L.A. Chargers. From He played quarterback at University of Dayton years after John Gruden did. So, of course, they asked him, what about the Gruden situation? You've got to listen to that minute response. You know, I think, I think this is what I think about it. Um, you know, I think that respect and trust in this world are, are really really difficult to achieve. And I think about all the people that were affected by those emails, um, whether you're a person of color, whether you're a person, uh, you know, a gender, um, your sexual orientation, the people that were affected by those emails, that's who I'm thinking about, you know, because it's a sacred mantle for someone to call you coach or someone to call you a leader. Um, and trust is really, really hard to achieve in this world. It's really, really challenging to achieve, and especially with people with those groups that I just mentioned. All right, and people are really guarded, all right, and they're skeptical uh, of people because of emails like that. And I just think that you know, kindness and lifting people up and respecting people you don't know. Um, I just think that you know that's such a big part of our thing here is listening to people and learning about people because I think what you'll discover is that we have so much more in common than not. And I think that, um, you know, for someone like me, you know, it's just incumbent upon you to set the example every single day so that people um, that were, you know, talked about in those emails, that they don't need to feel that way. They shouldn't feel that way. And it's, you know, hopefully, you know, all of us can learn from this, that it's about bringing people together for me uh, so that people can become, you know, the people that they dream about. And I think that, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, leading this football team and being someone, hopefully we can, you know, be a light for those people in those emails that not everybody's like that, 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 that there's far more people that will love you than the opposite. And hopefully um, this will be a, a chance for everybody to come together instead of go apart. Which, Blummer, I've heard you say the same thing before, which is like, 
we're all rowing the boat in the same direction. This isn't about left or right or whatever. We all just want to live together in harmony and yes. like move forward in the right way. It doesn't mean we can't have, you know, humor in our life and it doesn't mean we can't give each other crap. But Brandon Staley had a fantastic response, which is, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, he basically said, I don't condone anything that was said in any of those emails. I Like I, it is so hard. This is kind of the theme of this thing. It is so hard to earn the trust of your locker room and people. It's so hard in this day and age to earn trust, like real true trust. I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. And that's, I mean, gosh, what a what a nice North Star right there, right? Like you don't have to do anything, but but just keep that. He's like in my clubhouse, in our locker room, like I don't care what sexual orientation you are. I don't care what color you are. I mean, I want you to trust me and I want to be able to trust you. And I think that that's the thing that, um, you know, some of the, the, those emails and some of those things kind of like, well, gosh, is he a racist or isn't he? Is he disingenuous or isn't he? I mean, that stuff's got to go away. It just has to go away. And to your point, Mm -hmm. we know that some of those things exist and, you know, it's hard to cohabitate with 25 guys all year long for 162 games and not have any sort of disagreements or, or challenges in there. But as we said, that family is family. And I mean, there is no, no better cure for getting along with people that think differently than playing a game that you love together and winning and working hard at it together. And I just think that, uh, yeah, I mean that, that, you know, not, we were not trying to get into the Gruden thing, but I just thought, um, coach Staley just had a fantastic response and, I thought it was more interesting because he played quarterback at Dayton, as did Gruden, you know, mm-hmm. many years he apart. But uh, yeah, and just you know, didn't throw him under the bus, but just said, "Hey, man, trust. Trust is the hardest thing in my job to earn, and I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that trust." And I think that can translate into life, but also into baseball clubhouses and everywhere else. So I've got uh, the the American League Championship Series roster just sent to me uh, via email. Hot and off the presses. By the time they get it Monday, it won't be hot off the presses. But you heard <laughs> it here say, first. Blummer's going to tell us some good news or bad news. Here it comes. Yeah, we record this on Friday morning, and you will listen to this Monday morning. But Lance McCullers Jr. is not on the roster. He is on the taxi squad. Uh, I'm not sure what the reasoning is why, but I'll have to listen to some of the press conferences later and maybe talk to a couple people before the game today. Uh, I will be going in for game one. I'll be on radio. I actually get to hang out in left field with St. Arnold and drink some beers with fans. Uh, But uh, Lance McCullers Jr. is not going to be on the roster. Jake Odorizzi is on the roster. So it's it's maybe, uh, I don't know if it's safe to assume, but Jake Odorizzi may get a start game three, game four of this championship series. So very interesting uh, chain of events. We'll have to wait and hear more about Lance McCullers Jr. But as of Friday morning, 11.05 Central Time, he is not on the American League Championship roster. Yeah, well, that's uh, disappointing, obviously. But as you said, let's. Uh, the silver lining is that the uh, Astros were 5-2 and two against the Red Sox this year. And you know who didn't pitch any innings against the Red Sox this year? LMJ, Lance McCullers Jr. So hopefully that bodes well for the Astros moving forward. And I think what's interesting about that is, you know, if you strain something or tweak something and come out of a game, but I think it's probably, like you said, taxi squad or not, it's more indicative that, you know, he needs a lot more rest or, you know, at least two weeks of rehab. And, you know, I guess we'll know the news by Monday, but hopefully, um, if it is something that's not significant, if the Astros can, you know, squeak by the Red Sox, then he'll be ready for the World Series, which, um, you know, is a good thing. Yeah. 
That would be a great thing. And that leaves us with... Waddle, 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 tuttle, 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 say, 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 say. Cool, I got a good one, I think. Um, so obviously with COVID and everything else, I mean, this started many, many years ago. I don't know why we need a sign to remind us. You're going to love this one, Blummer. You're ready. I see you. Got your hands Can't back. Wait. Um, no, I'm just anxious and anticipation. Every public restroom that you go into has a sign that says employees must <laughs> wash hands. What the? Do they need the reminder? That's what I'm talking about. So you need the reminder. I guess you do. Please, folks, if you use a bathroom, just wash your hands. COVID or not, man. I mean, you're wiping, touching, you know, just wash your hands with hot water. I love this, though. And this is the employees must wash hands. First of all, I saw two signs in the last week which brought this up. Um, one said employees must wash hands, but if an employee is not available, please wash your own hands. That was my favorite, right? <laughs> you're going to go find an employee, like call an employee in there. So again... Eye-catching humor, but I'm like, that one stuck with me. So I didn't even have to write that one down. Employees must wash hands, but if you can't find an employee, wash your own damn hands. Yes, folks, <laughs> wash your hands. So I got you laughing. That one's good. The other one was like a skull and crossbones and like this smoky stuff basically saying, you never know what lurks. Please wash your hands. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is that a Halloween Dear sign? God. Or are they do they think COVID spreads from like handshakes? Because I'm not a scientist, but good God, like the 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 humor ones, the regular sign fear. must not be working. Yeah, that's right. I mean, come on. So yeah, you never know what evil lurks, and then you have the humor sign. What cracks me up too is I think it was Starbucks, but one of them has like a 15, it looks like a cartoon, a 15 frame, like had it like run the hot water, then pump the soap the, on yeah. your hands and then rub your hands for 20 minutes. So, I mean, what kind of world are we living? I mean, this is a perfect what'll tuttle say, right? This goes right to the crosswalk and the AirPods and everything else. I mean, what kind of world would we be living in if we didn't have a sign that told us how to wash our hands, especially during a COVID era? But forget COVID. Forget uh, a sign telling you to wash your hands. If you're in the bathroom, especially a public restroom, wash your hands. Like, hello, folks. So anyway, it's more of a public service announcement today. Blummer, <laughs> have you have you seen any employees must wash hands signs that are uh, as humorous or as scary as the ones that I mentioned? Or is this just something that's assumed in Houston? No, I, I see the signs everywhere. It's just usually this, that standard sticker slapped on the, you know, next to the mirror or next to the soap that says all employees must wash their hands. And and then you add the <laughs> pandemic on top of it. I mean, dude, it, 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 my my daughters call it don't have pee pee hands. You know, ah, don't don't like work it. with pee pee hands is what we're asking you to do. <laughs> I love it. And uh, my question to you, Tuttle, is, and I've actually had this situation, and I've and I made it awkward kind of on purpose because do that's it. Who I can be sometimes. Oh, I can do but it. Have too, you ever Palmer. been in the? Have you been in the bathroom with an employee, and then like really like, like I, I went in one time, and this dude gets. I don't done. know if I want to like, hear. That. <laughs> he's fu he's fully he's fully like you know uniformed up and whatever he's wearing at this local joint I'm at and he gets done and I go to do my business but I mean dude I was like fish eyeing him the whole time I'm in there taking a leak and I'm like I hope he washes his hands I'm just glaring at him I'm like bro you gonna wash your hands hope he washes his hands yeah you better wash your hands bro and I he he did it for maybe a 10 15 seconds and I'm like is that long enough. <laughs> The you said it's that long like, enough, and he thought you were talking about something else. Yeah. 
Of course yeah. he did. But he hey, is that long enough? This is pretty is long. Your mind after? I'm like, you need to wash longer, bro. <laughs> you scared, you scared the he, heck out of him. He did. He ran out of the bathroom and probably spit in my food, but whatever. Ah, well, whatever. No, it is weird. Like you do find that. And, you know, I'll go into like a small, I, I go to this place for like a smoothie or something. And every time I walk in there, I'm like, oh, I, I'll use the restroom. And I go in there and it's like, oh, it's locked. And I wait around for the smoothie and I'm waiting like five minutes or whatever. And the door, nobody comes out. And then finally an employee comes out and sneaks back into the kitchen. And you're like, they've been living in the bathroom. I'm like, oh no, I don't know what's going on in there, but there's always an employee in the restroom. But, you know, we, I digress. I just think, I don't know if we need signs to remind us to wash hands in this day and age. Um, I will sidetrack this as well. You mentioned seeing employees in there is always a little thing. We have a uh, I'm gonna, kind of a distant family friend who has put forth the argument that uh, a public restroom is a place um, that's fairly filthy, including the paper towel thing and the sink and touching it all. And so he refuses to wash his hands. He says he showered this morning and he's cleaner. So he will not wash his hands. So that's a whole nother story for another podcast. Hmm. Hmm. Did he touch anything going in there, out of there? I mean, I know that. I you know, know that's you, what I'm you, talking about. Your 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 personal <laughs> organ may be yeah. cleaner than a lot of stuff in there, don't, but you still touch that's it. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know if he flushes or doesn't touch a door handle or uses a sleeve. I don't know. But I, I like your daughter's uh, theme, which is uh, don't work with pee-pee hands. So, yeah, no pee-pee hands. Um, like I said, you never know what lurks out there, folks. That's what the sign told me, skull and crossbones. So the skull and crossbones scared me into washing my hands, and I think it's a good it's a good uh, motto. Yeah. Blummer. Wash your hands right. or die. That was a lot of baseball today, which is great. What what do you got for me? What do you got? Do you have a blast or some, some, something that's on your mind? Okay. Well, that was a I long, nothing. a long, thorough no. podcast. So the only thing I've really got that's kind of odd is that I usually wear my watch on my left hand and I've got my Apple watch and, you know, closing rings and working out. And I've always, they have the rubberized, you know, watch bands. I don't know if I sweat too much or what's going on, but every once in a while I'll get like, some chafing under the watch band mm -hmm. and the last day or so I've had it on the opposite hand. Dude, it's weird. It's weird. I still, I still raise my left hand to look at my watch, even though it, my watch vibrated on my right hand when I get a message, but I still raise my left hand. And then when I try to, it's almost like I can't read it on my right hand. I don't know what's going on, but I mean, that's just how ass backwards I am right now. No, no, I think I you're normal. That's a blast or anything. Hey, do you, that's which great. side do you wear your watch on? No. So, no, just a funny story before I lift up. You're a woof. You're a woof. No, I am, but no, but I wear a watch. So just let me let me get to it. First of all, that's the insight and the stuff that you guys want to hear. Listen to the Bleacher Blums <laughs> podcast. It's about the hands. But look at so I have my whoop strap on my left wrist right now. But there's like a tan line. Where's my camera? On my right wrist from it. And I switched it yesterday because I didn't want to wear my watch because I had the thing on. But I basically, it took me six months to get used to wearing this whoop strap on my right. And now the last few days I've had it on the left wrist and I didn't wear a watch. I was just wearing it instead. And I would go like this. I would look at my whoop strap like it was going <laughs> to tell me the time. Like, oh yeah. Oh no, there's not a watch there. But I totally get it. I mean, it's so funny how it's force a habit, but I always wear my watch on my left wrist. I actually was trying to figure out where to put my whoop strap in general to uh, mm -hmm. you know, get my sleep and all my uh, my heart rate stuff, heart rate variability. I'm going to move it back to the right wrist today, but uh, 
yeah, man, it feels so weird. So I'm not trying to say you're not unique, Blum, but like I said, you know, if Bleacher Blum's fans did it at the same time, if they don't get, yeah, it's weird we did the same time. We're simpatico, but uh, if the fans don't um, agree with us or understand that this is an odd thing, I'd love to hear some stories around left wrist, right wrist. And you know what somebody said when I first started wearing the whoop strap on my right wrist is they said, Are you left handed? <laughs> that was the first comment. I know. I'm like, Isn't that the assumption? Nope. That's so funny. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, that's all I got, Blummer. Me too. And uh, Bleacher Blums is always here for you. You can find us on most major platforms. You can find Tuttle on social media, at RealDavidTuttle on Twitter and on Instagram. You may want to follow him on Twitter because we will go live every once in a while and pleasure your eardrums with some of our own commentary during some of these games in the postseason. I myself, at Blummer27 on Twitter and on Instagram. Please give us a follow. Send us some questions. If you want, you can just follow at Bleacher Blums on Twitter. Twitter and on Instagram to get some updates and send your fan questions like our last podcast so that we can get some of your questions, answer them, give you all the knowledge that you are needing. And uh, make sure you go to bleacherblums.com. We've got some swag on there. Once they start to dock all these ships, I'm sure that uh, the supply chain will open up and we will be able to get you what you need as far as representing Bleacher Blums. And of course, there's a mailbag button on there also that you can get to us and uh, send some questions to our producer, Mark Ramos, who we appreciate greatly. And uh, we always appreciate the military, first responders, frontline workers, essential workers, doctors, nurses, everybody that is continuing to put themselves in harm's way for us to continue this great life that we have here in the United States, talking trash and talking sports here on the Bleacher Blums podcast. Tuttle, I'm going to let you take it home if you've got a couple more words. I do. Blummer, great podcast. Always good to be with you. I can attest to Long Beach uh, Port right now, the supply chain. All those tanker ships are sitting out there lined up on the coast. So uh, somehow we need some truck drivers and some other folks, essential workers maybe, to get out there and uh, get that stuff to us because that way you guys can get your Bleacher Blum swag. Um, Let's see. We always encourage uh, everybody um, on this podcast to get after it and believe it. And I'm going to ask you one more thing, folks. If you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Yeah, no pee-pee hands. <laughs>